This is episode 122 of the IDRA Class Notes Podcast. One of the things that we can consider about the iPads is the diversity in what it offers. And by identifying particular applications that exist, and there's hundreds of thousands of them, it's a matter of being able to filter out and knowing what you're looking for so that it interfaces and it melds with the instruction that you already have planned. We have to have a higher awareness of how these applications are going to either promote or possibly hinder the learning opportunity in the classroom. And if there's a potential for hindering, how you get around that. Let me say good afternoon to everybody, and I want to thank you once again for joining us for um, these wonderful conversations I have a chance to have with uh, various people here at IDRA and elsewhere. Last time we were together, looked at learning with iPads. We're going to do a part two of this today with Paula Johnson and Veronica Betancourt that we're going to call Teaching with iPads. And I want to welcome both of you to our session this afternoon. How are you both doing? Good. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dr. Scott, for having us. Well, it's a pleasure. It always is a pleasure. And I was really excited about um, the creative and wonderful ways that you talked about learning with the use of iPads in our classrooms. And now today we're going to add this second important part, and that is how teachers use iPads for teaching. So um, just let's jump right into it. Uh, why do you both feel this is an important topic for us to be thinking about and talking about in our public schools and classrooms in this day and age? Well, this is Veronica, and I think that one of the biggest issues that we face is the transition into teaching children who are digital natives. And so many of our teachers that are current in-service teachers are not digital natives. They're rather, we consider them what we call digital immigrants. And they're learning and acquiring the knowledge of how to use technology, but there is a gap in the comfort level and the efficacy of the ability to utilize the technology and what students are coming in with with their own abilities. And so it's really critical and important to recognize and respond to the shift in how our students are learning and how our children are engaging with the world around them. That's great. Uh, Paula, what would you add? I would just reiterate what um, Veronica's saying in that you now have children who are under the age of two operating smartphones and iPads and other tablets, e-books and, and things of that nature where it is second nature to them. They know everything they in their world is digital or some type of technology that didn't exist when many teachers were in that age frame. So it's it's really interesting to watch the teachers shift that way of thinking as to, I mean, where it used to be a calculator was almost foreign because it was too advanced, where now we're using computers and iPads and even smartphones for digital, um, like clickers, to the student response systems. Mm-hmm. You can use your phones. I mean, and so this is what the students know on a day-to-day basis. It's time for teachers to play catch-up. So you're both saying that this world of learning and teaching looks very, very different than it did even five or ten years ago. Absolutely. And that a part of what young learners experience as a natural part of their life and the way they engage information and, and learning 
is the use of technology of all sorts, and that that is their reality in, in this day and age in our public schools. What are the differences for kids who are diverse by race, by economics, by language, and the use of these technologies and their learning? That's a really great question to ask Dr. Scott, and one of the things that we can consider about the iPads is the diversity in what it offers. And by identifying particular applications that exist, and there's hundreds of thousands of them, it's a matter of being able to filter out and knowing what you're looking for so that it interfaces and it melds with the instruction that you already have planned. So what it means for diverse learners is that we have to have a higher awareness of how these applications are going to either promote or possibly hinder the learning opportunity in the classroom. And if there's a potential for hindrance, how you get around that. So for example, we visited a campus in South Texas and one of the uh, applications that they used for their iPads was Pic Collage. And Pic Collage is a free application. It's a free app that you can download. And basically you can create these collages with pictures and add and add words and you can get things from the internet you can take your own pictures you can get them from your camera roll and what the teacher used in a very creative way for her language learners was when they were reading their textbook when they came across a particular set of vocabulary that was the focus for the day she would have the students utilize their iPads to create a collage of the meaning of the word. And so it was up to them not just to write the word down and identify what it meant, but to find the appropriate pictures that represented that meaning, which gave her an opportunity to show a formative assessment, a quick assessment to identify if students had the correct understanding That's of the really word. That's really interesting. Especially mm-hmm. when a lot of our words in the English language have multiple meanings. That's great. So I'm also curious, teachers using these iPads, what do you see? How do they use them? And these applications you're talking about, where do they come from? Who identifies them as appropriate for their classrooms? What does that process look like? Well, usually the teachers are on their own in that regard. And that's one of the obstacles in having or being the recipient of, say, an iCart that has all of your iPads and your master iPad. In that it's just like when you search on the web, if you just put in a minimal amount of information, you're going to get back thousands of hits. Well, the same thing happens in the App Store. So you have to know specifically really what you're trying to pare down to. And then you have to review them. And one thing that that we suggest, their keywords that they use are very specific. And that from there, they try to filter down. And if they find developers, the people who create particular apps, if they find a creator like Scholastic actually has quite a few on grammar that we've been using for um, language learners, when they find a developer that they are fond of, there's actually in the app description, it'll tell them about, they can click on developer, it'll go to another page that lists all the apps that that particular developer has created. Mm -hmm. So they kind of know the format because they usually follow a similar format and color scheme and maybe characters, but they're very similar. So they're familiar to the students as well as the teachers. But a lot of times they just have to search and also by word of mouth. One app that Veronica actually introduced me to is called Apps Gone Free, which lists day-to-day, there's like a calendar of normally paid apps that are free for a very limited time and it'll give you the descriptions and if you want it you can go into the app store and get it for free and it will also keep the running list so that you know which ones have expired 
and which ones were now going to be back at their normal price. Because budget is definitely an issue Absolutely. for some people. Um, there, there are some campuses where they're, you know, they kind of have a, a more extensive budget and others who are purchasing these apps on their own. And, you know, the thing is you, you want quality apps. Another thing that I recommend to my teachers that I work with is that they look at the rating of the apps. Go in and look at the reviews of those apps because if you get a hundred hits on building vocabulary, you don't want a two-star app. You want a four to five-star app. So the, even when they see those, they should go in and look at quite a bit of the reviews to find out what the teachers or what other people are saying about the app, not just based on the rating even, but they just have to be very mindful of, they need to have kind of a criteria. For that makes a lot of apps. sense. So um, I know our time is running out very quickly, but uh, let me do this in this way. Both of you have talked to me about the iPad being a tool for students and not for teachers. Uh, before I get into a, a further discussion of the apps themselves, uh, now, Paula, you ju- you've just given us an idea of how you can uh, look for or identify mm-hmm. apps that would be useful. What do the two of you mean by that? Or were you just trying to confuse me? What do you mean by the iPads being a tool for students and not teachers? Well, in the best of situations, teachers will have access and opportunity to what are we call iPad carts, which are basically mobile units that have a set of 20 to 24 iPads connected to them that are utilized as student tools or that each student would have access to an individual iPad. However, there are case scenarios where teachers have access to iPads, but students do not. Mm-hmm. So the teacher has to maximize the utility of the iPad based on what is available. Giving the student as much hands-on time as possible. Absolutely. Okay, okay. Absolutely. And sometimes that might mean having to do demonstrations, even using the document camera because they only have one iPad. Mm -hmm. Or if if it's a shared commodity and somebody else has checked it out, so it doesn't interfere with your lesson plans, you just kind of adjust a little bit and, and maybe have the student come up and demonstrate instead of the teacher so that you're still utilizing it as a teacher tool but maximizing it as a student tool. That makes sense. When you have limited resources. And you would add to that, Paula? I would add to that and that scenarios are going to be so different at different campuses that even if the teacher has access to iPads, we were also discussing that sometimes they don't have access to Wi-Fi. And so they don't have an Internet connection in the room, so they have to be careful as to which apps they utilize in instruction. But in, you know, in the best of worlds, sometimes they have an Apple TV where if you have a group of students where each student has their own iPad, they can share viewing modes. They can basically toggle between the different iPads. And so it's just a matter of either you get, if you only have one, but you can get um, Apple TV, they can get cases for the iPads, because I know that one of the concerns is, oh my God, the students are going to drop it. But they're using it with down to pre-K through high school, Mm -hmm. that they just have to be, they have to plan. It's all about planning an organization um, and being the most effective when you're looking at different apps, when you're looking at tools that are accessories, I guess, if you will, because they can project from the iPad. They can project directly to a, a video projector if they don't have, um, or even if they do have a document camera, they can also project with it. So just using the most varied scenarios to get the full access of what the iPad can do for that's, those students. That's great. So. You two have an article coming out in the April issue of the IDRA newsletter discussing these issues 
and more, I would imagine. So we have talked about uh, the importance of understanding that the iPad is a tool for students and not for teachers. Paula, you've given us some insight in terms of some of the big things that we should uh, take away from this uh, session. Uh, selecting apps and things that one should keep in mind. You talked a bit or started to talk a bit about using apps in the classroom in, in their most effective way. I think that would be another big learning we would want to take away from the session. What are uh, some points real quickly uh, in our closing minutes that you could direct us toward in addition to what our readers or listeners can find in our IDRE newsletter article coming out in April? What are some of the things that you would think? Don't be afraid to try new things and get the students' response, you know, as far as its effectiveness and their level of engagement. Just because you have an iPad doesn't necessarily automatically mean that the students are going to be more engaged. It's how you use it. And just because you have an app doesn't mean... And just because you're excited about the app doesn't mean the students are going to be excited about the app. And how about you, Vero? I would absolutely agree with Paula, and I, w I would venture to say that one of the most important things is to not be afraid of trying. Mm -hmm. Allow yourself, give yourself permission to take risks in the classroom and make sure that it's aligned with instruction so that it follows whatever the state standards are, delineate. That's very, very smart. So I want to thank you two once again for opening up another important conversation about all, the, uh, all of this technology that we're seeing in schools and in classrooms. And it's not just important to have it and to be able to see different kinds of technologies, but to use them in effective ways. And so both of these conversations have been, I think, really important. Our last conversation, what I like to call part one, in terms of students and learning, and this conversation uh, that speaks to uh, teachers teaching with this technology and really using it as a tool for growth and for exploration and for risk-taking in a mindful and thoughtful way to enlarge the opportunities and experiences for learning in the classroom. I want to thank you both for that, and thank you for the time that you've taken out of your busy day to be here and to talk about this important topic. Right now, I want to get a commitment from the both of you that you'll come back so that we can look at another part of this conversation that will be important for our listeners to hear. Absolutely. Will do. Thank you both, and have a good day. And thank you all for visiting with us. Take care. Thank you for listening to IDRA Class Notes. For more information on IDRA and other Class Notes topics, go to www.idra.org. You can also send us your thoughts by email to podcast at idra.org.